0: All right. Happy Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. I know I don't usually broadcast on a Sunday, but we are today. So this is episode number 198. We're so close to that 200 mark. I believe we hit that on Tuesday. But this is Shut Up and Grind with your host, Robert B. Foster. We are all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and clearing the path. I'm sorry, clearing whatever is in your path to your goals. So if you are someone that maybe you're in an unfulfilling career, Maybe you you just want to change direction in your life. I have guests from all over the world, from six different continents, who come in and they share their stories of perseverance, of courage, and how they got to where they are now. And so if you join me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. And I'm going to bring him in right away. This is Tajuddin Davis, and we're going to talk about how he is healing the world through music. Welcome. Morning,
1: Robert. How you doing, man? Good to be on here.
0: Nice, good. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. Enjoying the Sunday. Um, you know, Sunday is really my one day where it's mostly just about me. Not too yes. much about worrying about, you know, going out, doing X, Y, and Z. So uh, earlier got some brunch. Um, doing some lesson planning later. Uh, nothing too crazy though. Uh, but for now, just enjoying this conversation with you and, and excited about uh, kind of talking. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And how important is that to you to take that time for yourself?
1: That, that's something that recently has become more and more important to me. Um, I remember I was talking with a friend over the Christmas break, and he had me on speakerphone. And it was an uncle who I had met kind of at a at the family house one or two times before. And I had seen him perhaps when I was a junior or senior in high school or maybe in college. Maybe both, but his first question, you know, was, "Are you a millionaire yet?" Uh, and I kind of just laughed. I was like, ha, "Not, not yet. We're working on it." Um, and then later on, he went to go say, "You know, now that you're young, you know, you just you you don't sleep like you do whatever." And I kind of held my tongue because that's something I've been more intentional about in the last uh, a year or two of my life. I think definitely high school, college. Um, I was definitely like sacrificing sleep, sacrificing, um, you know, focus in a lot of ways. And I think um, sleep, sleep, right, is very important. If you know why you do what
0: you do. You have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life. And that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. You've got to know your work. Before I bring my guest on, we have the teachable moment of the day. And I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Today's teachable moment stop letting other people define your future. Stop, stop, stop. And I'll even use this podcast as an example. I was told by by someone who's a speaker, who's a speaker coach, you know, that like they train people to do this stuff. They said, You're not going to be taken seriously if you show up in a tank top. Here we are, episode 210. I started with one show a week, now I do four, and I'm booked solid through to the end of May on all four shows. There are people with much bigger platforms than mine that are still looking for guests for next week. So stop letting other people define your path, show up, be your authentic self, and just let life unfold the way it's meant to unfold, okay? That's today's Teachable Moment. So now today... I have a guest on, and who is this guest? She has contributed her sage advice to the backyard chicken-keeping community for more than a decade. If that doesn't pique your curiosity, something wrong. Appearing on local and national media, including NPR, The View, HGTV, Farmers' Almanac, to name a few. And she's an author, a fifth-generation chicken keeper, master gardener, and co-op to kitchen cook. Please welcome Lisa Steele. Hey, I, always, I always give those entries like like it's a live studio audience. It's like, please welcome to the show. And it's like there's, there's no one to clap except me.
1: <laughs>
0: Good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am great. Thank you. So you're a fellow New Englander.
1: I figured you were in England when you mentioned the snow.
0: Yeah,
1: we got, we got about a foot and a half. You know, my headphones are in. Like that is my, my time to zen out because mm. similar to what you're saying, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach, I'm a podcaster, and a musician. So the whole rest of my day is interacting with others. Yes. Um, so it's important for me to to carve out you know that maybe 45 minutes to an hour of just reflecting on and just making, um, or setting some intentionality for my day. That's that's about to come.
0: Intentionality. That's that's a huge, huge word. Because even in in the fitness space, I'm constantly telling people it's not hard. You just have to be intentional about it. Yeah. It's like it's it's people re- like it's so hard to get fit. Like it's really not. You just you just having a hard time committing to the process. Like right. if you you commit to the process, it's pretty easy. You know, like someone can give you the blueprint to become you know a viral YouTuber. If you commit to the process, you'll make it happen. If you do not, you won't. You know, (laughs) it's 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 that simple. You know, Um,
1: that um, it's kind of a switching topic, kind of, but something that just reminded me of is is I don't know where I heard this, but thinking about knowledge and um, defining knowledge as not just learning something, but applying it. Yes. You know, and I think that's somewhat relatable to you know, the exercise thing because you can know like I should be working out at least four days a week, but that's not something that's really incorporated into your life until you actually say, okay, I'm going to wake up at 6, and I'm going to go do it. Yes. Um, that is what I have to do. You know, that is what I have to do in order to be thorough about my intentions and, and my, my goals.
0: Yep. Love it. It's, it's kind of like, you know, what, what needs to be done. So if you're in your house in a pipe bursts, no matter what you're doing, that pipe burst needs to be addressed, right? <laughs> right? It's like, right. that's your, that's your top priority right now. And so when it comes to, to any goal, no matter what the goal is, it has to be as if that pipe just burst. You have to make it that important It has to be that big of a priority because then that will drive your actions yeah. if you kind of want something yeah maybe i can do it i'm kind of okay where i am those people don't don't take any action because they're okay with where they are right. you know so and i'm not saying it from like a gratitude kind of way like you know you can be be gracious that you woke up today and that you have a roof over your head but if there's something that you really really want you you kind of have to let go of what you have before you can reach for what you want
1: hmm. Yes, I think something that uh, helps me out is just thinking of sometimes I, I, every once in a while, if I have some time, I try to journal and just think about, like you're saying, like what you're aspiring towards. And I'll kind of free write journal. And then after I, I kind of have put all my thoughts on the paper, I sit back and try to break it down in terms of goals, like priorities, really, like you just said, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, and I'm like, okay, these are my priorities, these are my, my goals, aspirations, and I kind of take another list and say, well, what do I need to do? You know, what are my action steps towards getting yeah. those things? So then I do that, and then I, I kind of take another break in the page and look at those, those action steps and think, okay, what is one phrase that I can use to, to summarize all of those action steps? Like, what is the common threat, the common line, through line between all those things? And and for me, like, right now, something that I I think about constantly throughout the day is just be thorough. You know, be thorough in whatever it is. Yes. Um, I just... It can apply to so many things. Like, I just had a a friend who I coached football with. He passed away this past week. And I kind of said a few words to the, the team, and that was, in essence, what... I I was saying to them, because I'm thinking about how his name is Cornell Strother. You know, great coach, great father, young man. But he, you know, we would talk about football, of course, but also just about hip-hop, about rap, about history. And I'm just thinking about how there are things that he texted me, he said, hey, watch this video, X, Y, and Z. And I didn't do that. You know, I said, "I'll, I'll put, you know, I'll I'll get around to it, and now it's the situation where I won't be able to talk to him about that. Um, so, being thorough can apply to anything from working out. It can apply to you know keeping your spaces organized. It can apply to relationships, kind of what I'm kind of leading with right now. Um, you know, be thorough not just in how you kind of reach out to people, but how you maintain those relationships. Yes. Uh, You got to tend to it. Like, you know, it's a plant, you know, you got to kind of, sometimes it needs sunlight. Sometimes it needs water. Sometimes it needs a little extra nutrients, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to be mindful of those things. Love it. All
0: right. So let's get to know you a little bit better. So how, how, how would your best friend describe you?
1: Okay. So I, that's a great question. So I'm thinking of my friend, Derek McCoy, speaking of maintaining relationships, we've got a call plan for later today. Um, We've known each other since we were fourteen years old, and you know we went to boarding school together, so we lived together. He he would probably describe me as someone who has a deep sense of love for his family, um, someone who is disciplined uh, and aware of his self. Like I, I've always been told that I'm very self-aware, um, and, and that's it's a good thing, but it, it sometimes can come off as being self-centered. Um, but it, it, in the positive light, it's having a sense of what I'm good at and what I need to improve on. Uh, I'm constantly like assessing where I'm at uh, in a variety of things. And um, another thing that, so he's, I'm a creative mind. He's also a creative mind. He's much more creative than I am. Yeah. Um, I am a, uh, an organizer, right? Like if people have a lot of thoughts, I'm able to kind of emerge as someone who's able to uh, make all of this collaboration concise uh, and into kind of one program, Um, whether that's music, whether that's podcasting ideas, whether that's, you know, projects around uh, the school I work at, Um, and someone who's also empathic, And I think that's probably the last thing I'll say is just that I'm a good listener. Um, I am able to remember certain things about people that they might just mention, you know, uh, and bring it up later on. And really just listening to understand, not always listening to react or respond to what someone is saying. OK, good stuff. So I want to zero in
0: on the self-aware part for a second. So I've done I've, I've done a couple solo solo episodes talking about that and how it doesn't relate to self. because there's two different levels of selfish. So you have you have the selfish where you're using people for personal gain. Right. Those, those people suck. You know, so like that's not the selfish that, that we want to focus on. But when it comes to self-care, self-love, self-awareness, self-confidence, mm-hmm. you know, belief in self, like you have to be selfish in that regard. Cause if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of others. I don't care what anybody says. Right. You know, even with even as as a parent, people always say, Oh, all of my dreams are on the back door now because I'm a parent. It's like, no, mm-hmm. like you should make your dreams come true. That way your kid can follow the foot follow the, the footsteps, the footprints mm-hmm. that you left behind. You know what I mean? So because if you put yourself in the back burner, the child's going to see that. <laughs> and and re- regardless of what you tell them, they're going to do what you do. You know, that's just how that works for the majority. So it's like when you are your best self and when your inner light is shining the brightest, that's when you're, you're inspiring people around you. Then you have shows like this where you, you and I are sharing our, our experiences and our passions and stuff. And then people listening can get inspired by that. So if we weren't taking the time to share with, to, to, to be real, total strangers, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know yeah. but but we have the power to impact their lives. Yeah. Right. You know? All right. So when did you first start getting into music?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, that's a good question. So I've always been interested in music. Um, so I'll, I'll take it back to family. Um, my aunt... So my mom's side of the family's from Jamaica. Uh, my mom immigrated here in the 80s uh, when she was a freshman in high school. Uh, but my aunt, she went and, and we've lived in and around Virginia since then, my family. Um, but my aunt went back and moved to Jamaica in the 90s and she got involved with Reggae Sunfest, which is you know, the biggest reggae festival uh, in the caribbean and so did that for 20 years so from the time i was a baby i was kind of taken to concerts like this Uh, so huge productions and so i was always um, amazed by the artists and just the energy that they could bring and really um transmit to the audience Uh, that was something that was uh, contagious is the word i would i would use and for example, uh, you know Shaggy, you know he's he's the artist. It wasn't me. Like right? I yeah. remember meeting him as a kid, and he had his huge afro. And from that point on, until I was about thirteen years old, I would always try to grow my hair out because I wanted to be like that. Um, and so I had you know that going on. Just coming from a family who really um, loved music. Um, my grandfather grew up. Uh, it, or grew up for a part of his childhood in Trenchtown, the same place where Bob Marley uh, is from. So kind of had that from a couple of different people. And just growing up, you know, my mom, uh, I would spend a lot of time with her uh, as she was a single mom, driving all over the place. And she was getting me kind of hip to the roots, most death, title quality, Black Star. Um, you know, uh, Tribe Called Quest, Side, like all these hip-hop artists who weren't necessarily in the mainstream. Um, Outcast, right? Speaking of mainstream. Oh, yeah. So I had a lot of musical influence, and I think as I kind of got older, you know, past the age of, When I was going to school, out of all the things like saxophone, um, got involved, like, playing the handbells, for example, oh, yeah. but it wasn't until high school where I actually just by chance ended up on stage uh, giving doing a slam poetry, and it was, I kid you not, just by chance, because one of my friends was running the show, it was called uh, Coffee House, and he was looking for acts, and I sarcastically said, yeah, I'll do some slam poetry and I thought he understood you know I was joking like i I'm, I was like I'm not really a poet and it was a day or two before the show and he's like so uh what what poem are you doing I'm like wait what what poem am I doing I was joking he's like well you you're on you know you're on for like the, the third or fourth slot so I was like oh, wow okay. I gotta go up and and, and do, do some slam poetry and, um I prepared something, and I put my all into it, and it was very well received. And um, from then on, I kind of knew that I had a stage presence about me. And in that time, um, my younger brother, he just turned 18 on Friday. He started rapping when he was 11 years old. So that was happening back home, where he got... You know his Apple earbuds um just found you know some instrumental beats on YouTube and just started rapping, put it on Soundcloud didn't tell anybody about it, so it wasn't until our mom kind of found it and was like, "Wait, this is my son uh and she was like this is this is really good though you know and uh she encouraged me to keep keep working at it and once I was kind of off to college, that's when we really started making music together, and I'd be home for a break, and it was something that um, we really bonded over, you know, because we're growing up, playing sports, watching football, etc., and sometimes home for a break, home home from college over a break, and there's limited time, he's into making music, I'm like, well, I might as well get into music too, and we just started going from there, um, And as I kind of was junior, senior in college, did a couple of performances, uh, both up at Kenyon College in Ohio and also uh, in DC. And I've been kind of making music ever since. Um, And and the messages that I got that really encouraged me to keep making music was just that I didn't sound like anybody else and you know, hearing from other folks that my music sounded authentic and it sounded relatable um, and it sounded positive. So these weren't just messages coming from, you know, my friend groups. Like, these are messages coming from all kinds of age groups, um, young and old, uh, American and from abroad. So it, it was just assuring to know that, you know, of course, I'm speaking English, but it's it's universal <laughs> in a sense, yeah. right? Through those sound waves. Yeah,
0: see, and, and it's perfect that, that you said that last sentence as universal, because you said earlier about a transmission of energy, mm-hmm. you know, so like whenever I'm talking about, about things, and as I said in my intro, I had guests from six, six different continents all over the world, and different walks of life, different races, different genders, different sexual orientations, like different religions, but everyone is the same seriously like everyone is the same and when it comes to things like transmission of energy that's proof you know what i mean it's like if you had if you have a hot beat and you can play it anywhere and people will vibe to it right you know regardless of their background you know people will vibe to it like that transmission of energy is everything and what people have to realize is that you don't have to be some over-the-top personality like when, when I'm working with speakers, they're like, oh, well, well, I don't, I don't speak like you do. Like you don't have to. You have to speak like you do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like just speak in your own authentic way. And with the energy that you put out, you're going to attract the people that are attracted to your energy. Right. You know, that's that's how that is. And that's how you create that impact. But I want to ask you a personal question. So for you, because I know with, with me, I was just starting to feel it before the stupid virus got here. Is when you get on stage, yeah. and it's just such a dopamine hit for, for me, and, and I, I, I'm not even playing music, and I love music, but just oh, to get man. up on stage, get that microphone, and just pour into a, to a crowd. Yeah. Like, what is that personal feeling like for you?
1: Oh, gosh. So so the first thing is, um, you do feel a bit, and this, I feel that like when I speak as well, like i Before I get on stage is when I'm most nervous. But once I'm on stage, I'm kind of like, here, I've arrived. And um, that adrenaline is something crazy. I remember the first show that I did, uh, it was with a group. And
0: I didn't realize until the show ended that my whole
1: shirt was just drenched. You know, I I was just covered uh, in sweat. And in a way, it, it gave me a similar feeling as to being, you know, I played football in college, as to being in that that flow state where um, everything kind of seems to simultaneously slow down and go quickly, which makes no sense. Yeah. But you're really just in the zone. You're tuned in to everything around you. Um, and your next verse, you know, your next um, call crowd, it just seems natural. And... Whereas you might have been worried before about remembering your lines, it just kind of happens. Um, and I think the best the best feeling is when you're able to actually connect with someone in the audience, and you can you can see it. You can like you can see that person responding to whatever you know you're rapping or uh, you know playing if you're playing an instrument, and they're they're giving that energy back to you as well. So, so it's like, you know, there's that transmission of energy and then it comes back. So it's like a relationship yes. uh, in that way. And yeah, but with the pandemic, that's been tough, you know, looking, hopefully, you know, this spring some opportunities. are popping back up now, uh, which is good. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to get back out there. Um, but that is the most special feeling. And that is something that uh, I actually, talking with my brother recently about this, is that he was able to really craft his sound at, you know, from a studio perspective first. Um, so he he was able to, like, find his voice and, and figure out, you know, what flows work best for him, et cetera. I, on the other hand, just with my experience, whether it was, um, you know, speaking in schools in various capacities or doing improv or doing kind of these small skits that I did as, as part of this after-school program, I always had a stage presence to me. So the music kind of came came second uh, in the way that I felt very natural being on stage, right? But when it came to kind of sitting behind a microphone in a studio, that was something I needed to adjust to and to learn. Um, so, so all of that is to say that I feel most natural when I'm on stage.
0: See, I love I love that too cuz cuz again, stage presence it it can be taught, but when you already have it, it makes life so much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it de- definitely does cuz like I've helped people craft talks and then we'll be practicing and there's just you know, it's it's just so difficult to teach people to have it, you know? So so that that's a solid base that you already had it and I remember when I did my first my first official talk because as a restaurant manager I was constantly giving meetings and you know rah-rah speeches and all that stuff sales speeches so getting up in front of people wasn't a thing I was always a captain of my sports team so same thing but to actually have an official one where, where I'm on an actual stage and I think it was a small group I think it was a hundred people there I want to say and, and I'm not one that gets nervous like there's not too many things that That I fear. But getting up there that first time, though, I was nervous. Up until about five minutes in, Mm. everybody's eyes were on me. Yeah. You know, because like that's the biggest fear that people have. It's like, you know, I don't know if my message is going to be well received. But I had all eyes on me. And my topic was becoming who you are meant to be. And so, right when I was done, I, I wasn't even off the stage yet. And three people ran up to me just in total tears it's kind of how I was saying earlier about people who are content are, are less likely to make the leap than people who are in pain. You know, like if if you're in pain, you're going to do whatever you can to get out of that pain. And they just came over and they were like, you spoke directly to my soul, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's where it's like, wow, this is a much bigger impact than I thought. You know, because it's one thing to just get up on stage and speak about something that you're knowledgeable about, but to do it into a way to where you touch someone's emotions to that level. That's where I realized the magnitude of what I was doing.
1: Yeah, that's, and, and that's like, um, and I'm thinking about just a, my most recent, the recent music that i put out, really all my music for the most part is that I try to touch on things like that, you know, where people can relate to it, whether they are relating to the specific story that I'm telling or not. Um, mm. And so, for example, like the first track on my most recent album uh, it's called Dreaming and Planning. Right? Like that that everyone dreams and everyone plans. Yep. Uh, you know, my second track is called Selavie. You know, like, that's life. Yep. Every, you know, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you're living your life.
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that
1: is something that you can relate to. Um, so, those are, mess- like, the thing that kind of to you what you ju- actually just said uh, some of the best feedback I've gotten about my tracks is that it just feels like you're you're talking to the listener yes because a lot of music fails to do that uh, I mean and I don't mean to get very critical but you, you there is a lot of music that is you can tell that it was made in the effort of being on the charts yeah right like it, it was meant to be a pop hit um, it didn't have any specific message in mind or or purpose, really. Uh, It was kind of like a selfish purpose. You know, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not here to brag about my life or boast about anything. Um, I'm just here to tell my story, share some of my experiences and perspectives that maybe someone else can take value from. Um, That's, and that's, where I'm at with my music right now is I don't, if it doesn't provide someone value, I don't want to make it. Yes.
0: I love that. Love it. All right. So tell me about how how you started your, your
1: company. So elevate and motivate started during the pandemic. Um, And my brother and I, so, so we are, you know, co-founders of elevate and motivate. Um, The idea had already been there for a while, just thinking about how we could take our music to the next level. And uh, you know, folks, mentors around us had been telling that, us that for a while, like, once, excuse me, once you start to put your own money into something, that makes you go harder for that. Um, so we, we knew we needed to do that. We didn't really know when or how we would take that leap. Um, but that was a silver lining of the pandemic where everything else was shut down outside. So we, we thought, OK, well, we have this great opportunity to really um, carve out this time and create a brand, uh, create a clean looking website, create some merchandise, you know, do a photo shoot um, and, and just plan out things that we can do to expand the brand moving forward and uh, in 2021, we were able to, so we, we made the company in 2020. In 2021, we, um, we received a grant uh, to help get our business off the ground. And uh, we're just now on the tail end of that. And, you know, we're able to kind of restock our inventory, uh, you know, not out of our own pockets, which is what we originally did, Yes. Um, and get more equipment, you know, heat press, cricket cutter, vinyls um and all these things because you know the thing about music is the, the music is the most powerful thing but the music doesn't make you money unfortunately um at least in terms of streams and, that, and that's where we were in the pandemic right it's like there were no there were no performances yes. uh, performances where you, you get some coin. we're so thinking how can we you know utilize this pandemic time um you know i think well uh, people are doing a lot of shopping uh, people like merchandise and we kind of had our first go around of t-shirts and you know sold all of them and uh, right now folks are kind of waiting for a restock and so we're you know uh, we're gonna make some shirts and some hoodies uh, hopefully next weekend nice. and, and get that going again uh, but the brand itself elevated motivate which I need to get around to why that um, became a thing. It, it kind of was birthed uh, in 2018 on a track I've made called Hillmatic, just with some of my good friends uh, at school, and we're sitting there kind of, you know, no one was like, uh, I guess, a stellar rapper. Like, no no one was, you know, kind of Spotify, like, playlist or anything like that. Uh, We were just guys who really loved hip-hop music, and we were making a track. Uh, in our free time and you know we had kind of our, our our 16s you know boom 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 the verses were great but we didn't have a hook and um i was just like you know i think i got something i was like bouncing on that 808 i elevate and motivate and then they're like ooh, that that sounds good and i just stuck with it um and so as i was like just you know in my phase of planning of journaling trying kind to of goal set I was thinking what is a, a name for the brand you know that that reflects some of what we've already done because i I feel like with a brand you don't you can't artificially make anything you know you have to make something that is already clear in in your actions and your steps that you've taken yeah uh, and the common thread that I saw between my music my brother's music the music that we had made together was that um, all of our music was trying to um, uplift our listeners in some way, right? And, and, and similar to what you know you're doing with "Shut Up and Grind," right? Is, is to get people out of those ruts that they're in. Um, and, and I related to that just in the, the relationship that I have had and continue to have with music. And music has helped me in some very tough times, um, and I know that's very cliche, but it wasn't just any music, right? It was very selective, (laughs) certain kinds of music. And I was trying to think, well, what was that thing? What was that thing that made me get through that? Um, It was the authenticity, it was the positivity, and it was the storytelling. Uh, And and those are three things that uh, we really pride ourselves on with Elevate and Motivate, and we try to continue to do. moving forward so i hope that answers the question of kind of how yes elevate and motivate uh, came off the ground
0: yeah love it love it and uh st- storytelling is huge i mean that's a big part of what i do is help is help people tell their own personal stories and a lot of it started from this podcast like i would ask people to to describe themselves and in the early early stages of the podcast you know 100 some odd episodes ago people struggled answering that question. You know, it's mm. like, how, how do you not know who you are? Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like right. describe yourself. Right. And so like, that's why I ask it now. Like I told you before we, we went live. That's why I tell people ahead of time now, so you have a couple seconds to, to piece together what you want to say through the lens of your best friend. But what it boils down to is, it's just things that, that you've been through that shaped who, who you've become. It's like, you just talk about those things. You know, whether it's, you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago. You know, I was close to making it to the Olympics and I blew out my knee. You know, like the, there's things that, that have happened, but each one of them has teachable and inspirational moments, right. you know? So like the work I had to put in to potentially, just to even think about the Olympics required a lot of work. It, it required discipline. It required a certain mindset. It required perseverance. You know, it, it required surrounding myself with supportive people and now people tell me I'm tr- chasing some pipe dream mm. up into the injury and then realizing I'm not going to be able to make it happen and, and but but then it all comes full circle when you stay focused on your goals because there's other competitions that are very similar to the Olympics right. that that I was able to compete in I was able mm. to win gold medals in and then qualify to represent team USA you know so it's like when you're focused on your goals it it may not look the way you drew it up, but you'll still get there, you know? So standing up on that podium and listening to the national anthem play, it was like, it brought tears to my eyes, you know, thinking like, like, okay, so it didn't happen 20 some odd years ago, but I still got that moment because deep down I never took my eyes off of that goal.
1: Right. Yeah. You focus on the, on the process, you know, and, and kind of the growth, the growth mindset, like that is something that's so, Yes. Wow.
0: And, and, and I love the fact that it's because one thing I tell my kids, because like I'm, I'm stuck in the 90s, early 2000s music wise. Yeah. And so whenever I'm in, uh, I'm in the car with them, I'm always like, see, see, it said today's artists don't tell stories. I was like back in the day, it was always a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the hardcore gangster rap stuff still told the story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just of with course. the with, with all the gangster stuff in it, but but they still told the story. Now it's just randomly just saying stuff. Just saying stuff. <laughs>
1: yes. No, and, and that that's the next. I was actually just thinking about the same thing because yeah. I was thinking about like the birth of hip-hop, right? Yeah. Like hip-hop was birthed in this this New York City that was. You know, like the message, like that yeah. that that song itself. It's like it's telling you a day in the life yes. of you know a black person living in New York City, yeah. Um, and that is something else that I think is so important for hip hop, especially hip hop. You know, something that is uniquely American, uniquely African American, yeah, uh, and Jamaican. I'll say that as well, yeah. Um, so and i'm also, you know, a history nerd, i'm a history teacher. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing, what we're trying to do with elevate and motivate is, you know, take this war world around us and put it into a song. Yes. Um, so that in a way, right, it's timeless. It's not just you know, if someone is listening to this song 20, 30, 40 years from now, they can understand, okay, this is what they this is what was going on in 2022 or 2021, 2020, whatever. Yes. Um, you know, George Floyd is getting his his neck kneeled on, right? Like, that's something that you, or at least for me, like, that's something that really affected me, and that's something that I went ahead and I made a song about. It. Mm. Um, not about that specifically, but about the general, you know, oppression of black folks in America. Yeah. And that's something that it's, like, it's meaningful to me, and I know it's meaningful to others. Yes. And it would be... Uh, it would be a shame to not reflect that in this platform, um, because it, it lets people know, right? Like, okay, I'm not the only one thinking about this. Okay, like, there we do have agency in pushing back against this, against this, um, you know, using our voices, uh, because it's kind of like, um, you know, th- there's a saying from Tupac, and he says, you know, I might not. And I'm paraphrasing. I might not solve the world's problems, but I I might spark the brain brain. that that does, you know. So, so that's that's part of, you know, that that power of storytelling there. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, especially for Tupac, because his music was so hard, but he gave some of the most philosophical interviews. Yep. You know what I mean like so I was like dude you were just talking about you know shooting up people <laughs> but but then you just talk to him on just on just a regular everyday human level like he was deep like his so mind was deep. real
1: deep and, and it's, it went through his stories, right like he evolved as a person. It's like he his his mom was a black panther you know that that yeah. you, you can't remove that from his identity and you know you hear a song like changes. And you're like, well, where did that come from? It came from his story, you know, it came from yeah. his upbringing. Yeah. Um and and that's something that uh it, I I uh I was called out for this one time because I, I had or my brother and I we had a song on Warren, uh it's called Corleone Flow. And it, it's like an old 90s boom bap type beat. And I was on stage and I said something like, you know, the old heads are gonna love this one, mm-hmm. and, and the DJ literally was like, "Hold up, this isn't just for the old heads. This is for everybody, you know." Um, so, so that's something that I was like, you know, he's right. You know, this is this is something that um, anyone can appreciate and, and take from because that is where, you know, hip hop grew from. Like that is an <laughs> essential part of the evolution of this art. Yeah. Oh, true. And, you know, it's not good to silo yourself off as this is the kind of artist I am. You know, this is something, a sound that I can make and a sound that I can make the most of. Uh, but that's not it.
0: See, and, that, and that's true in, in everything, in everything that you do. Like, I've had business coaches, and they've all, they always tell me, you know, you got to pick one lane. Like, you got to master one lane. And I was like, but my style of teaching covers many lanes <laughs> i was like so mm-hmm. who do i cut out do i cut out the inner city kids right. do i cut out women's empowerment groups you know do i cut out students it's like who do i cut out do, do i cut out athletes right. and, and and i was like no so like that's where because my i used to have a show years ago called shut up and exercise ah and and so and I didn't want to just keep it to fitness because the philosophy transfers into the regular world. Like think about how many professional athletes are now business people, right. <laughs> you know, cause, cause that, that grind is the same. And so I was like, my message isn't just for one demographic, you know, so like, even like, even in fitness, I could go the flexibility route and I can reach out to the yogis and the people who mm-hmm. love Pilates, you know, I can work with the morbidly obese and try to help, help them get, and, and to, to health you know so there's different ways but all of that requires work. you know right. if if you're in the inner city and you you're from ge- or anywhere and you're from generations of poverty, my message can help you be the one to break the cycle you hmm. know what I mean so it's like I don't want to just be in one area so'm I'm, gl- I'm glad that that you said that like you, you don't want to just put yourself to just one group when you have a message that can be global. You have to do what it takes to make it global
1: always always have to diversify um and that's where you get because like again right like i'm like i mentioned earlier i teach history and i didn't get into that because i just magically had this interest in history i always like i said i always had an interest in storytelling so for me i remember growing up as a kid growing up muslim like, I remember learning these stories about the prophets, learning these, you know, the stories about Moses, about Jesus, about Muhammad. And I loved that. Like, I just loved, you know, like all these moving parts, the messages to be taken from them. Um, and then when I got, you know, older, and I'm learning more about American history, of course, uh, in public schools, I couldn't, I couldn't relate as much because I didn't, see a message coming from it I, I didn't know it was like well john smith came and to virginia and there was pocahontas like I, I don't know why i don't know what this does for me in my life but then as i kind of you know got to college and learned more um uh, i i struggle with the term like black history because it's, it's american history yeah um at least you know in the way it's used the context but i'm learning more about the 1960s, the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power Movement, uh, the Vietnam War, and all these things that I see parallels with to today's society that we're living in. Uh, so, so that really impassioned me and uh, pushed me to learn more about U.S. history. And now I, I kind of i am in a space where, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at teaching American history uh, and topics that relate to African-American history. But that doesn't mean it stops there, you know? And yeah. uh, for instance, I took a trip to Turkey, to Istanbul this okay. past summer. And, um, you know, there's all the, the, this beautiful architecture and history around the Ottoman Empire, you know, one of the greatest empires to ever exist. Yeah. But we don't learn anything about it here. Uh, and again, it's like that is important to. to, to signal to people you know it wasn't just the christian empire that dominated the world you know that put forth you know the things that we enjoy today if we're talking about science and technology it wasn't just the british empire giving us all this stuff um, so uh, that's kind of a tangent there but in the work i do it, it's um you know, a lot about diversity and championing diversity in the places that we, we, we live in, we work in. Um, and I work with kids, and each year our school is getting more and more diverse. Our schools, all schools. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not just talking about black and white kids. You know, we have uh, more Latinx kids, we have more Asian kids, more East Asian, South Asian, whatever. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the first step. The next step is making it so that each demographic, every child is, you know, made to feel as though they belong, right? Like, not just, you know, you, you can come through the door. It's like, no, this is actually, like, for you, this place. Uh, so when it comes to, like, anything, right, whether it's thinking about how you pitch your business or, uh, you know, you, how you teach, you have to prepare some kind of diverse approach to it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, when it comes to education, I always say not everyone learns the same, mm-hmm. you know, but I think, you know, cause so, so many people bash the educational system and like, I don't like, like the fact that politics is involved, but mm-hmm. that's a, that's a separate story for another day. Right. But it's just how people receive information you know, like not everyone receives it the same way and it's like everyone's kind of taught the same way like one of my sons i have twin boys and one of them he's just super fidgety and if you could see what's going on from this part of the screen down my legs are always tapping my feet are always wiggling like he probably gets it from from, from me like but i'm always moving it's it's just how i am and in this one particular school they were in a charter school and he kept getting getting removed from, from class because like they have to sit completely still and not move. Right. And he he just can't. <laughs> you know, yeah. so so it's like, like he's not a bad kid. He's not being disruptive. He's just he just got that hyperactivity where he's constantly moving. And so it's like so you're you're taking him out of class, so he's missing class time over something that he can't control. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like like that's my, my only knock with it. And just some people I would say there's leaders, there's doers, there's thinkers, and there's feelers. Mm. And those four personality types all receive and process information differently. You know, so you could, you or anyone can, can get up, you know, and do out your lesson plan and it's going to be, be received in four different ways. Right <laughs> you now. So then the ones that struggle with the delivery, they get labeled as problem kids. You know, mm. like I, I went, I volunteered once for a, uh, for a lunchtime, like a lunchtime program they had at a local middle school here for the behavioral kids. And so I walk in and this, the director's like, you see that that one over there. He's like, you got to watch out for him. I was like, mm. the kid's what, 12? Like, What do I have to watch out for a 12-year-old? You know? And right. so I asked for him to be put in my group. And I'm just asking him questions because like, I'm really good at picking people's brains. I'm just asking him questions. And my thing is like, all right, this kid needs to be included. You know, like, he's kind of, I don't want to say resents authority, but he's in that leader category. And people who are leaders don't want to be led. It's right. just, just a fact of life, right? right? So so I started empowering him. I said, all right, I want you to take these two, come up with, with an idea, because this was craft time. And he, he went with the two, and he was like a whole whole different kid. Mm-hmm. And then we, we switched up, and we did sports, and I made him captain of the other basketball team. And then I was captain of my team, and he was putting people into positions, and he's he's motivating them, he's cheering them on. I'm telling, you, he was a completely different child once I gave him something that fit his personality type. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, that's probably something difficult to do in the, in a class setting, but it's like you have to motivate people by the way they receive info. If I yell at all of my fitness clients the exact <laughs> same way, you know, like I have some people who need me to swear at them. <laughs> it's, like, it's like like right. they won't they won't put forth any effort unless i cut that right. and then there's other people that need the arm around the show listen you're doing you're doing your best i just need you to give me a little bit more and then that works for that person you know so when so if i try to yell and swear at her she's gonna quit right. you know
1: that there's such an art to that and yes. i think about that you know in the classroom all the time and it's 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 all about relationships yeah, I, yeah. For me, in terms of teaching kids, like, you can't, um, Ted Sizer, he's kind of like a a giant in education. He has a quote. He says, I can't teach a child that I don't know. You know, so when, I mean, and a lot of teachers do this, but it's really important in those first couple weeks, even month of class, to really get to know your students uh, and get their feedback, kind of like you're saying, like, all right, is this kid a leader? Like what is his, you know, take towards education? You know, what is he looking to gain out of education? Uh, because if you don't demonstrate any kind of value for where that student is coming from, like why would like why why would I let you tell me what to do if if you don't even care about who I'm coming from? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that, does, that doesn't make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it, and, and, and yeah, like you said, politics, uh, education gets so political and I could talk about that for literally hours, um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I'd rather not do that right now. <laughs> oh
0: man. All right. So, so with, with elevate and motivate, who's like, who's your target audience? Like, how do you, how do you get the word out about what you guys do?
1: Okay. So, Originally, our target audience was from our friends. And something that I really, you know, again, working with kids, a lot of our target audience is the youth. You know, youth are really our target audience because they are the ones kind of scourging the internet looking for Mm -hmm. content. Uh, And and the content that they get is all over the place. and that's something I'm, I'm constantly kind of just gazing from my students. Like, what are, what are y'all listening to? Um, yeah. And and I will tell you, Robert, sometimes I'm appalled. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, you, you, this is what you listen, in, you listen to on a regular basis. Like, this is awful. And I feel like such a, like a, and mind you, I'm only 24. I'm almost 25. Man, mm-hmm. like, I feel old when I'm talking to these kids about their music. <laughs> um, but they are my target audience because they're still malleable and kind of like how you said you know with the music you grew up listening to there was a value for storytelling and it's important for them to understand you know hip-hop is not dead right like there is still value to be found in hip-hop and the art continues um it's not all about you know, selling drugs and, and doing all these substances and being promi- living pr- promiscuous lifestyles, right? Like, that's not what it's about. Like, that's what a lot of it has become, but that's not the art. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm drawing from a lot, but most depth. He talked about how hip-hop, you know, the game will become whatever we are, you know? So if we're doped up, the game will be doped up. You know, if, if we're high-strung, rap will be high-strung. If we're authentic, rap will be authentic. If we're positive, rap will be positive. Uh, so just trying to be, uh, you know, this, this like, I don't know, a, a refreshing addition to, to whatever folks are listening to on a regular basis. Yeah. Oh, and how we get the oh, sorry, how we get things out. So it's we really get things out uh, on social media. Um, So on Instagram, elevate, motivate, music, elevate. Just two words: elevate, motivate, music. No dashes, no periods, anything. Um, And and then my Instagram is just Tajadeen Yakub. So kind of how my name is spelled: T A -A J U D W E N dot Yakub Y A K U B. Um, And you can find all of our music there
0: nice I want to get your thoughts on this speak speaking about the kids so this is a little clip from a book I'm um, stalled on writing <laughs> but uh you know I got six chapters done and then I just stopped writing but but anyway but this is a quote from the book and I want to get your thoughts on it where it says you weren't born to simply exist and then die each one of us were born with a unique skill set, with a unique perspective on life. And without interference from others, we would naturally become who we were meant to be. Hmm. Yeah, because you know, yeah, like children, of, children are born with unique gifts. Like I, I remember being at the playground with when my twins were younger. And so now my kids are mixed race. And so there was there were my three kids there. And then there was like, I, I couldn't have asked for a better scenario because there was a, a young Asian kid, an Indian kid. Black kid, white kid, Hispanic kid, (laughs) and then my kids. All in the playground, just playing, they're sharing toys, sharing shovels, taking turns, going going down the slide. And as I'm watching it unfold, I was like, somewhere along the lines, adults are going to screw that up.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. It's so sad. It's awful. And uh, this is, you know, I... um... It happens often and, and, and it's it's you can undo that though. That's 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 the power of youth. Like as yeah. long as they're still in that time period, like whatever adults can, you know, do to corrupt them or guide them off their path, like you can bring them back um, to that level of authenticity and, and purpose, you know, long-term purpose. And I, I love that quote. Um, because sometimes, you know, I, I work at a boarding school. So kids come here literally from all over. Like kids, you know, I've had students from Ghana, from Somaliland, from down the street in rural Virginia, uh, California, you name it. And so they're coming to this place as 14-year-olds with all kinds of different ideas. Um, But the the beautiful thing about it is when they're here, kind of away from home, away from, you know, a lot of the distractions that you, you get if you're living in a city or wherever you might be. Um, there's just a lot more structure here. You see incredible trajectories for these kids. Um, you know, a kid who, like, I remember I was actually speaking with a friend about this yesterday. A kid who I taught three years ago um, said something very Islamophobic. Like, very Islamophobic as a, as a 15-year-old. And now, as a, you know, graduating senior, it's like, that's a different kid, you know, because he had the right support structures around him and because he was held accountable and, you know, pushed,
0: people will work to the standard that's set. Yeah. And, and that works for all age brackets. Like people will work to whatever standard you set. Like I have an accountability group with, with my fitness peeps. And I tell them, I'm like, A, B, C, D, E, this is what needs to be done. If you can't do it, exit the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's the state. I don't want close enough. I don't want I almost drink enough water. No, I want it done. Like this is what the minimum standard is. And people will work to it. Remember, I, I took over coaching a track team back in the early 2000s. And right when I, I get there, boys and girls were practicing together. Now, this is high school hormones raging all over the place so first thing i did was i went to the girls coaches and i said because i was coaching the boys i was like we're, we're separating the two and they're like oh well we we always we always you know coach together i was like what was your record last year and they were like <laughs> "They were like one in ten okay we're separating and then right. off i went i required report cards from the students and some of the parents were up in arms because kids that had these i didn't allow them to practice until they they brought the grade up no, and they're like, "That's not your job. Your job is to is to coach track." And I said, "No, I'm coaching student athletes. Yeah, you know how student is first, right? Student athlete." And so, so anyway, I went in and and I completely changed the expectation, and we ended up having back to back winning winning seasons, and these kids just transformed right before my eyes. Like they went from joking around and being lazy, and you know, I had a bunch of kids qualify for states. I had my high jumper, who didn't take it serious at all because he was a basketball player, but mm. I let him see what he could do. I'm like, if you really apply yourself in a high jump, it's like, what's wrong with dominating two sports? Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you, yeah, you have all the gifts. You're out here anyway. It's like, let's maximize your talent. And I just spent my time connecting with each kid and just letting them see what, like, where the gifts lie. I was, I was like, this isn't just something for you guys to pass your time by. I was like, this is something that you can lean into. Like, if you become a better track athlete, you'll become a better basketball player. Right. (laughs) You know, like you become a better track athlete, you'll become a better football player. It just went went down, just completely changed. And I I remember when I left the school, people who were bashing me were practically in tears that I was leaving. You know, because change is tough for people, but I, I changed the expectation and then they worked up to the new expectation. You
1: know? I so. love that. Because that that one of my favorite coaches ever, he would always remind us of just insanity and how insanity is, is doing the same yes. thing over and over, <laughs> expecting a different outcome. Yep. You know? <laughs> and so that's why you need pain exactly all
0: right give us some final words and then we'll break it down
1: Uh well some final words i guess it's just been a pleasure being on here again uh, to talk with you robert um, likewise i really love what you're doing uh, in in many different facets of life so, so keep on pushing in, in all those different ways um for folks listening again check out elevate and motivate music at www.elevatemotivate.com um, links to all of our social media is on there uh, you can sign up to our um, uh, subscriber list from there. Also, I have a new album out on all streaming right now called Coffee Black is Dead. So Coffee Black was just a context. Coffee Black was my old artist name. And, and now, you know, since then I've just been going by Taddeen, you know, just my given name. Um, so seven songs on there, 20 minutes. Uh, would really appreciate, you know, you all to tune in. Um, and if you're into podcasts, I also podcast. I uh, have the New Black podcast, NUBLACK podcast, also on everything. Um, so I think that's that's really all I got. And I uh, hope y'all have a great Sunday and stay blessed.
0: Awesome, man! Thanks. This was a great com- conversation, and uh, I'll pr- probably have you back again on one of my panels if you're interested. Because I do, uh, yeah, I've been doing one per month. I did one yesterday where I bring back six six of my past guests and we just do just a round table discussion pick a topic that obviously we're all we're all knowledgeable in and then uh, we do do a round round table discussion that's typically on Saturdays and so if you're interested in in that I'll get you scheduled in on one
1: that would be awesome I'd be happy I'd be happy to be part of that
0: awesome good and I'm going to connect you with some of my podcast friends as well so we can help spread the word and uh that's about it so i gotta head up to massachusetts now i'm uh, officiating officiating track meet up at wheaton college
1: oh man well safe travels i uh, hope that goes well
0: you know yes sir all right man i'll be in touch all right well have a blessed one peace right, take care all right so that that was todd he's got his links are in the description section mm-hmm. thank you guys for tuning in i know i usually don't do this on a sunday but this was when our schedules uh linked up so here we are All right, so I'll be back tomorrow with episode 199. Take care.
1: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.